Welcome to Think Over Here, the show where we hop all over the world and talk about people's cultures and their stories and really anything that I find interesting. I'm Owen, and today we are going to be thinking over in Asia, specifically China, as we go in this special episode, out of sequence, out of order, to recognize and celebrate the Mid-Autumn Festival, or the Moon Festival, because it's today. It's noteworthy, and it's worth talking about. So don't worry, uh, we'll still have an episode this weekend, uh, where I, because I promised that we would talk about the controversy of that mysterious cow over in Cambodia and Vietnam. But so we'll go, we'll look at that this next weekend. I just wanted to hop in here today. It's Thursday. Wanted to make sure we talk about the Moon Festival. And so, because it's the Moon Festival, be sure to look at the sky, to appreciate and pay respects to the full harvest moon today. And if you are celebrating the Mid Autumn Festival, well. I hope you enjoy your time with your family, and I hope that you enjoy your tasty mooncake. And you know, while we're talking about celestial bodies, I mean, I can't help it. I am an astronomy geek. Not astrology, but maybe one day. You never know. <laughs> Life always has twists and turns. But yeah, t- talking about celestial bodies, we can't. I can't forget to mention that in a few weeks, we're going to have another full moon on Halloween night. So get ready for that spooky evening on Halloween. Watch out for werewolves because that's right. We're going to have a bull. We're going to have a blue moon. It comes once, you know, in a blue moon. Well, we're having two full moons in the month of October. We're having a blue moon on Halloween night. So get ready for that. Enjoy the full moon tonight. And then in a couple weeks, enjoy the full moon again. But yeah, since today is the full harvest moon and the celebration of the Mid-Autumn Festival, I wanted to share a common legend associated with that. But first, I think it's important to talk about some of the traditions of the Mid-Autumn Festival or the Moon Festival uh, for those people who are not familiar with it. So get ready. This is Moon Festival 101. There are no textbooks required. And you do not need your eye clicker for in-class exams. This is uh, this is a attendance-based class. Anyway, Moon Festival 101. Here we go. So the Mid-Autumn Festival is one of the largest celebrations in China. Really, it's second only to New Year's. And the Moon Autumn Fest Moon Autumn. And the Moon Festival is really a great time to gather with family. That's one of the big pieces of the Moon Festival or the Mid-Autumn Festival is spending time with family, similar to an American Thanksgiving. We're focused here on family. And that's really important because according to some sources, the full moon is actually considered as a symbol of reunion. So you become reunited with your family. You spend a nice evening with them. And so during the festival, people come together in families they talk share stories eat together that's important of course may can play with lanterns and admire and give thanks to the full moon it's really a nice way to spend an evening outside and appreciate the moon with your family and many people also make offerings to the moon by placing on their tables incense or fruit and moon cakes and they point those toward the moon as an offering But according to the internet, that tradition is starting to die. So Moon Festival, think time with your family and watching the moon. But 
you can't talk about the Moon Festival without talking about Mooncake because one of the tastiest traditions is the giving and eating of Mooncake. As these Mooncakes, they come in these spectacular boxes. They are just, the boxes are just so beautiful and ornate. I mean, sometimes you'll have like a box, a, a beautiful bag, and the beautiful bag is a box, and inside the beautiful box are beautiful mooncakes and the mooncakes are these elaborately decorated pastries and so they're circular they're kind of like thick discs you know four inches in diameter and they're filled with this sweet thick filling such as a red bean filling or a lotus seed filling and sometimes it's what they do it's really fun is they'll put a whole duck salted duck yolks inside of the cake so when you cut it open because you eat the cake by slicing it into sections when you cut it open, you can see that yellow yolk, circular yolk, and looks kind of like the full moon. You know, this beautiful moon inside of your moon cake. And these moon cakes are given away as gifts. And so if you're in the giving mood, why don't you give away some moon cake? Now, there's more to moon cakes than just sweet filling and elaborate decorations. You see, moon cakes, historically, there's tales of, moon, of, the, of people hiding secret messages inside or outside the moon cake but we're not talking about that today we'll have to save those secret messages for another time because today we're talking about the legend of the moon harvest moon i keep saying that moon harvest i mean it's the harvest moon it's the mid-autumn festival it's the moon festival because yeah we are talking about the moon festival today so now i'm excited to share with you one of the most popular legends surrounding the Moon Festival. And that is the legend of Cheng'e and Ho'i. And I apologize in advance. I'm not fluent in Chinese by any means. So I for, forgive me on the pronunciation of names as we always do in this show. <laughs> because I can hardly speak English, let alone other languages. <laughs> Oh, well, who knows? Maybe one day. But the story of Chung'e and Ho'i is a story of love, betrayal, and a special day that gives Tatooine from Star Wars a run for its money. So get ready for that. And as it is with a lot of these types of stories, there are a lot of different versions of the, of the story. And But this one in particular, I noticed that the stories varied quite a bit and could either put the main characters in a very positive light or a much more negative light. And so I guess, you know, the world is never black and white. People are gray. Things change. Stories change. But I wanted to share the version that's more recent tellings that put the characters in a much more positive light. The older versions were a little bit more intense i suppose but i wanted to give the nicer version but both are good stories so if you like it go research go look at the older one or maybe i'll share it who knows depends how i'm feeling at the end after the end of this story so let's hop into this story chung-e was absolutely gorgeous she was beautiful and she was lovely her unique beauty was described as having a pale, milky skin with hair as black as night and lips like cherry blossoms. Now, Chung-e was beautiful, but it's important to remember that you, listener, you are beautiful too, and that your beauty may be different than Chung-e, but you are beautiful nonetheless. Love your body 
body positivity. Now, Chang'e fell in love with a powerful archer named Ho Yi, and Ho Yi fell deeply in love with Chang'e. And the love between them was so strong that not even a hammer could break it. Now, the two lovers, they were married, and they lived together in peace and in love. But as all things shift, and as all things move, such as the ocean tides that come in and out, and the changings of the seasons, this time of blissful peace and love did not, could not, and would not last forever. You see, the day started out as any other day, really. There was nothing particularly special about it. Maybe there was just a little shift in the wind is all, but that, seemed to, that was all that seemed to be different that morning. And the rooster, it crowed as it did every day. And the sun began to rise over the hills, sending its bright, cheerful, golden glow across the fields. But then the strangest thing happened. For after the sun rose, another sun rose, and another sun rose, and another, and another one, and another one, and soon there were not one, not two, not three, not even five or six, there were ten suns in the sky, each sun sending its own light and heat radiating down to earth. And now, if you have ever received a sunburn, you know that it hurts. It hurts a lot, and your skin gets all peely, and nobody likes that. And you get these burns because the sun puts out a lot of energy. Now imagine that energy multiplied by 10 and getting a sunburn from 10 burning suns. I mean, you would need like SPF a million to protect yourself from all those suns. Having 10 suns in the sky is a problem. And the power of these 10 suns began to burn everything up. Homes were starting to be destroyed and crops Everything was becoming scorched and dried and just burnt to a crisp. The green fields were turning black. And seeing the destruction, Ho Yi went out to try and fix it. Now Ho Yi, being an expert archer, he figured to use the tools unique to an expert archer. And so he took his bow and he took his arrows and he went outside into the scorching heat. And what was his plan, you may ask? Well... He was going to shoot down the suns. Now, Ho Yi, he was a renowned archer. And when he would go hunting, it seemed that he would never miss his target. And if anybody could shoot down the suns, it was him. But this task was not going to be easy. I mean, think about it. If you're driving down the road and just the teensiest glare from the sun comes into your eyes, what do you do? You go, ah, and you shield your eyes as quickly as you can. Now imagine the glare from 10 suns and looking straight into the sun to aim your bow and arrow. Well, that's exactly what Ho Yi did. He lifted his bow and arrow and he stared into the blinding light of the 10 suns and what would be impossible for you and I he was able to do, and he shot down not one, not two, not three, but nine. He shot down nine of the suns. And he was just about to shoot down the final sun when he decided against it because, you know, we do need a one sun at least. We don't want to be plunged into an eternal darkness after all. And so with the sky restored back to having one sun, 
and the earth being saved by Ho Yi's legendary aim and archery, Ho Yi was granted a gift from the Queen Mother of the West, the very goddess who tends the peaches of immortality at the Jade Emperor's palace, as a thank you for his heroic acts. And this gift was not just any regular birthday gift, no. This was the elixir of immortality. But Ho Yi only received enough for one person. Excitedly, Ho Yi, he ran back to his wife, Chung E, to share the good news. But as they thought about it, they became torn about it. You see, because if one of them were to take the elixir, then the other one would eventually die. They would outlive each other, and the one would live forever without their true love. But if neither of them took the elixir, then they would both die. And that was no good either. So what should they do? Do they drink it, or do they try to split it somehow? What, what, do you, what, what to do? They were absolutely torn, not sure what to do. And so what they decided to do was to push the question down the road. They decided to keep the elixir hidden and to simply continue to ponder the matter. Now, unfortunately, the couple did not have a lot of time to ponder the question for Ho Yi's wicked apprentice, Feng Meng, had heard about the elixir of immortality and he knew that Ho Yi received it as a gift and he decided that he was going to take it for himself. He knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to drink it. He wanted immortality. So one day, while Ho Yi was out hunting, Feng Meng broke into the home, and Cheng E, she desperately tried to fight him off to stop the robbery, but Feng Meng ultimately overpowered her. And Cheng E, seeing that she was going to die, and that the elixir was going to be robbed by this evil man, she ran to the hiding spot of the elixir. She took it out from its hiding spot, and in that moment of fear and confusion, that moment of fear for Feng Meng becoming immortal, that fear of her own death by the hands of that evil man, and the confusion of being robbed by a friend, she had nothing to do but to drink the elixir. Now, I've never had the elixir of immortality, so I don't know how it's tasted. Maybe the elixir was sweet and thick like honey, Maybe it was cheery like a peach, or, or maybe it was sour and bitter like medicine. You know, who knows? Who knows? All I do know is how she felt as she drank that elixir. Because she had made a choice that she could never turn back from. For now, drinking it, she was immortal, and her husband, Ho Yi, was mortal and would one day die. Chung E felt scared, confused, desperate as she drank that elixir. And that confusion and that fear compounded as she felt a new sensation as she drank a feeling, a feeling of weightlessness. For the elixir had not only granted her immortality, but had made her weightless. And now she was starting to drift up into the sky. And as she floated up, she looked out and she called for Ho Yi in desperation. Ho Yi heard her cries and saw her drifting upwards. And so he did what archers do best. He took aim with his bow and he was going to shoot her back down to earth. 
and with the bow drawn and the arrow cocked, he aimed. But, but he just couldn't. He couldn't shoot at her. The man could shoot down the nine suns, those nine blinding celestial bodies, but he could not shoot down his love. He didn't have the heart. And so Chung uh continued drifting up to the skies, calling for Ho E to help as they were being separated. But all they could do was watch each other, call for each other, as she departed from the earth, soaring into the sky. Chung Uh floated higher and higher. She drifted past trees, past clouds, and fearing that she would drift so far into the sky that she would never see Hoi again, she steered herself to the nearest object in the sky, that being the moon. And there, that is where she lives where she is now the immortal goddess of the moon. Now, she's not alone on the moon. She lives up there with the Jade Rabbit, who continues to pound out the elixir of immortality, and with the woodsman Wukong, who endlessly chops his tree. But her love, her true love, Ho E, isn't there. And Ho E, well, while he was on the earth and mortal, he lived. But he never stopped loving his wife. And in fact, on nights of the full moon, he would place a beautiful table outside, pointed towards the full moon, and he would adorn it with Chung Uh's favorite foods as a gift to her, thereby showing his love for his wife who he could no longer be with. And this, his offerings to his wife, to the moon, as he tried to reunite with his family, was the beginning of the mid-autumn festival, the time where we reunite with our family, and give our offerings to the moon. Now, I think that that story is pretty powerful and in many ways tragic. You know, at the Harvest Moon, we can celebrate being with our families, and we can remember the memories of our family members who are no longer with us. We can talk about our present lives, but we can also talk about our goals, our dreams. We can talk about our pasts and how things have changed. Fall? It's a special time of year. It's when the seasons are changing. Summer is changing into winter. And what we can lear- learn from Hoi and Chung'e is the importance of love, even in the midst of change. The fall festival gives us a chance when everything else in the world might be changing around us to give us the opportunity to reunite with the ones we love. So this autumn festival, I'll be thinking about love and family and appreciating the time that I can spend with my son as we celebrate. And even though ultimately these moments may be finite and maybe things will change one day, just like the seasons, the least I can do is appreciate this time now with my family and for those who I love. And so now that's the most recent tellings of the story. Older versions of the story have some noticeable differences. For example, the two lovers, Ho Yi and Chung E, they actually start out as immortals who live in the Jade Emperor's palace. And, and for various reasons, possibly due to Chung E breaking some porcelain or for Ho Yi shooting down the emperor's ten sons when they were acting as those ten sons in the sky, they get cursed with mortality. 
and in these older stories, Ho'i, he goes and journeys to the Queen Mother of the West, and he is granted that elixir of immortality so that he could return to back to being an immortal. And in some versions of the story, the Queen Mother of the West actually gives Ho'i enough elixir for both of them to drink. But in these older stories, Chang'e steals the drink and drinks it all for herself and uh, doesn't give any to Ho'i. And for that reason, due to the overdose, she flies up to the moon where she becomes a goddess. So it puts Chang'e in a much more negative light as she isn't drink. She doesn't drink the elixir to save it, but rather she drinks it selfishly. But you know, that's the beauty of legends and stories. They can change. You know, they change the times. They change the needs of the storyteller. They change the needs of the audience. And you know, we always need to respect the original stories. But I don't think there's anything wrong about making a story your own. In fact, I think it's a nice little reminder that we can take control of our own stories. In our own lives, we can change the details. Nothing is written in stone. You are the masters of your own destinies. So there you go. Some fun little tidbits about the Moon Festival or the Mid-Autumn Festival so that you can appreciate it even if you aren't celebrating it. And if you are celebrating it, I wish you the best with your families, loved ones. I hope that your mooncakes are especially tasty. But we can't forget the question bowl as that is my tradition. Not just on the moon festival, but at the end of every episode. We talk, we look in the question bowl to see what terribly, possibly embarrassing question I receive. And today, the question is, what is the worst gift that you have ever given someone else? Okay. Worst gift I've given. The worst gift that I've given would probably be no gift, because if you didn't give a gift, that means I put absolutely no thought but I can, I guess, uh, when I try to give a gift, I actually do try to think about the person who's going to receive it. I, I guess I can think of one, a gift that fell very flat, fell flat on its face. I was a little kid and it was for my mom's birthday. And I went to the dollar store. I went with my older brother and we found these little duck statues. There was these there's this a little wood duck statue and a little porcelain duck statue. And I thought they were beautiful. I thought they were cute. I knew that my mother, she liked to put little nice things on the mantle. And so I thought to myself, to my little six year old brain, that my mom would like this duck. So I bought that duck and my older brother, he bought another duck. And the both of us, we gave our moms these, our moms, we had shared the same mom. We gave our mom these ducks and my mom was very gracious. She was very loving. She said, thank you. And she kept them on the mantle just as I suspected she would for a day. And then the next day she threw them away because they did not fit. They didn't, she did not like them after all. 
And I remember as a little kid just being a little bit confused, like, oh, I guess you didn't like my gift. But then my mom explained to me that my heart was in the right place and that she appreciated the gift and she received it with love. But that after a day, she was done with it. (laughs) I guess she Marie Kondoed the thing. So there you go. That's the worst gift I've ever given that I can think of. I'm, I'm sure I've given out some other terrible gifts, but that's the one that kind of came to my mind first. So there you go. I hope that you have just a wonderful moon festival, mid-autumn festival, and I'll see you here in a couple days when we tackle that mysterious cryptid down in Southeast Asia. Ciao. Ciao.